the whole concept of this week's episode was good in theory <laughs> and but you were like much nicer to me than I was to you wait what you picked a better book than me well oh. <laughs> I'm saying oh, you yeah. picked a less challenging book I was like, let's have, let's just do like something fun and lighthearted. And Jamie's like, here, have a book that's going to give you an existential crisis. It's fine. This is totally fine. Yeah. And I probably should have known that because I don't think there is a single (laughs) book by that author that won't give you an existential (laughs) crisis. It's going to be a real interesting day. True test of friendship right here. We, We have really decided to put our friendship to the test this season with all of the episodes that we have already released and some ones that are coming up that are like, what what are we doing here? That's a what little is, foreshadowing about how you felt about the book you had to read. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of like, I what are you going to think about what I think about the <laughs> Welcome to the Act Break where we're talking about all things story. Take a break from your creative endeavors and hang out with us. Have a little simulated human interaction. Because internet friends totally count. That was our intro. Um, I like it. Is is it new? (laughs) Yeah, it is new. I made it myself. I can tell. (laughs) Which is funny because I didn't even make that myself. It's a very popular sound. This is a circus. <laughs> all right. Anyways. Sorry, anyways. sorry. All right. That was all. That was all Jamie's introduction. <laughs> this will cut together. In a... this, it'll be great. It'll this be great. will cut together. Let me do it again. Let me do it again. Okay. All right. <laughs> I want to say that I feel like this has always been our weakest and most awkward point is like the welcome and introduction because mm-hmm. somebody told us that it was really important that we tell you who we are and what we do. You don't have to. You can just say, I'm Jamie. I am Jamie. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm Jamie. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. That's fine. Carly, help me. As proof of Jamie's existential crisis, she doesn't know who she is anymore. Accurate. I'm Carly, and I reject existential crises. I love that for you. (laughs) Do that. I refuse to have any more. Yeah. Okay. All done. I like that. I'm all full up. That's the energy we all need in our lives. Uh, I'm really making, like, uh, all of my struggles are self-made right now. And when I say that, I mean Mm. editing this episode. (laughs) It was your idea. I am a problem. This week, we are doing what we have titled Forced to Read, in which both of us chose a book for the other to read. Our only stipulations were it had to have been something they had not read before, and it had to be fairly short. Which clearly was a problem for me. Yeah. In retrospect, maybe we should have had a few more stipulations, but... (laughs) And so the books that were chosen were... The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin. Is what I was slated to read. And then... Jamie forced me to read... (laughs) Cat's Cradle by Kurt Vonnegut Jr., Just some light Saturday reading. I don't know if you could get 
I mean, they're pretty opposite books, like <laughs> opposite end of the spectrum. Much. I don't know if we could have gone any different than we did. I don't think we could have. I will say that one of the reasons why I had chosen this book is because Carly had previously failed to read it. <laughs> I did. I promised to read it last it two years ago. Two years, yeah. two, two years, years ago. Two years ago now. We had decided as critique partners to read a few books that the other had chosen that were um, – and we felt either represented us or something that we really enjoyed that influenced us. Yeah, something that did something narratively or stylistically that we admired or hoped to accomplish in our own work. That. Jamie read all the books I gave to her, which, I mean, I did try to not give her epic doorstoppers. There was one I did not read. Oh, okay. Maybe I should just pick a new book in replacement. You're going to pick that Joe Abercrombie book, aren't you? I just no, know I will it. Not, I will not force you to read Joe Abercrombie. <sighs> it's just that it, there's too many of them. You know how I feel so about series. I know. <sighs> Anyways, how did you feel about the book that I asked you to read. Yeah. <laughs> the Westing Game by Ellen Raskin, published in 1978, is a middle grade mystery, I okay. guess you might call it. Um, it is from the classic era of why is this a middle grade? <laughs> yes. <laughs> because the idea of a middle grader now reading this book is like, I don't know if they would understand most of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a murder mystery, and it definitely is old enough that there are concepts in there that no middle grader would have heard yeah, of before. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the most notorious one is Narnia, where it's mm. middle grade, but it is kind of a higher thing yeah. to grasp. My overall opinion was it was good. <laughs> I have so many feelings. It's it's this is much more of a uh, chatted out episode. I started reading it, and I usually am reading like two, three books all at the same time, not simultaneously. But I mean, I'm in I'm working my way through three books at any given time, and I started this, and I instantly went, I am gonna need to not read anything and just read this because there's like. A dozen characters. There's 16. There's so many characters. <laughs> and keeping track of them was a job in and itself. Because the POV shift, there's no, like, she shifts between all of them so quickly. They're... Well, it's just an omnipresent third-person narration. Yes, exactly. Which, that wasn't so much the problem. It was, like, just keeping track of, like, if they reference somebody connecting that back to the right character and she did do a good job of trying to give them each their own quirk or trait that you could attach to that mm -hmm. eventually that was not a problem but initially it's not like you learn about them slowly you get them all thrown at you all at once yeah and it's like in a kind of whodunit mystery that's how it goes yeah but it was funny to be like and this was supposed to be for middle grade <laughs> I read it as a middle grader, too. And, like, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, it worked for me, and it clicked, and I, yeah. But I could definitely see where it might be a lot. 
Yeah. And then the other things that stand out to me about this book are I'm cool with suspended belief. That's absolutely part of (laughs) reading fiction. But it was just so funny to me. One of the characters is a child. I think they say that she's like... I think Turtle's like 12 or something. Yeah, Turtle's like 12. Um, She's really into the stock market. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, which I think is like a funny cork, but I was like, I don't understand why this was like a feasible solution. (laughs) (laughs) So that was kind of funny. But I really like the whole vibe created with it's this building full of people and they've all been kind of roped into this adventure-ish. And basically, they have to, like, discover, um, spoilers, uh, (laughs) discover (laughs) who's murdered this wealthy guy. (laughs) This wealthy business mogul. Yes, who is going to leave his fortune to whoever solves his murder, right? And then they are given clues. And, you know, as a reader, you have the advantage of seeing all of the clues, yeah. So those quickly. All of the ones except for the ones that are purposefully left out until the very end so that you can't figure it out yourself. Even though those technically as a writer, I'm like, those should all be there. They should yeah. just be hidden. But it was interesting the way. So they're in teams, like teams of two, these 16 people or whatever, and they all get random clues. And the way a bunch of the characters decided to interpret their clues was so random that I just like I'm like I don't understand how we've jumped to this conclusion (laughs) or why we think it's like a super great idea (laughs) like the one where they're like maybe there's a twin and then keep on trying to randomly (laughs) casually during this party like find out if somebody has a twin was very awkward (laughs) it is so awkward but that character is supposed to be awkward yeah so it was very in character that was in character but it also (laughs) did made no sense and it's not the it made no sense as it was written it just made no sense for like the plot the plot yeah yeah there was like one person was like maybe there's a twin and then like turtles it means the stock market and like (laughs) and i was just like i don't understand how these people are reaching these conclusions that was kind of the big thing that stood out to me i mean obviously i have like a very soft spot for it because i have read it so many times from my childhood so there's a whole thing with that but as an adult i have gone back to it and been like these people are absolutely nuts and i can look at it uh objectively and but there is a part of me that's just like well yeah it's like it's a building full of super quirky people and honestly i keep popping into my head about like only murders in the building And I just, it's a cozy mystery full of really weird people doing goofy things. And I can see where, though, the the suspension of belief is just, it's just a little too far. Yeah, there's still things in it that I'm like, why this? Like, why was the sister planting bombs? Like, (laughs) like she was blowing crap up and, like, harmed people. And they were like, "Mm, she was just quirky. Like, it didn't make a lot of sense. She was having a hard time, okay? Her charmed life was too much. Yeah. And so she turned to bomb making. (laughs) You know, as we do, okay? Yeah, she sent multiple people to the hospital, including herself, and almost blew her sister's face off. (laughs) It's fine. It's just a casual bombing, okay? So, like, I don't get it. 
And then the end. Basically, we weren't actually given the clues to try and unravel the mystery. They were purposefully omitted. Then the mystery that we thought was happening was actually something else, which I guess is sort of they're trying to make it like a plot twist, but it mostly felt to me like a cop-out of like, figure out this thing. Oh, there's no way to figure it out because it didn't really happen. (laughs) Yeah. Also, we didn't give you all the information to let you know what happened. (laughs) I think my biggest gripe with it, having like thought about it objectively, especially trying like knowing that you were going to read it and you were going to notice things that I am willing to just let go because it's one of my favorite books. And I definitely was like, yeah, had I read this, older I would have been very frustrated by the idea that I could not solve the mystery because um all the clues weren't given to me as the reader and that is the pitch on the back of the book is that you are one of the people that could potentially figure it out so it's kind of misleading kind of it's very misleading yeah in that sense and I could see as a reader being very frustrated by that if I went into it later I can see where um, it's very much a book where you're like you have to read it at a certain time to have that connection. It's a lot like if you have never seen The Lord of the Rings and you watch it now. Yeah. Sometimes if you don't catch something at a certain That's point right. in your life, it's never going to connect the same way it did with a lot of other people. Yeah. Overall, I think it was a fine book. I'm not mad I read it. <laughs> Uh, I will say it's one of the only books I ever kept notes about, <laughs> but I was like, well, I'm going to unravel the mystery. And then I'm like, okay, this obviously is going to be this. And then they're like, oh yeah, here's this extra thing that we didn't tell you about. I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, the extra thing at the end, they do foresh- it is foreshadowed. Which it's thing are you talking about? The fact that he wasn't actually dead. Yeah, they foreshadowed yeah. that. And okay. I was thinking that he wasn't dead probably like, two-thirds in the way. I'm like, I don't think he's dead. The big thing that bugged me, though, is that there was no explanation why he did that. Why? Why did he choose to do that? It's well. He I was mean, just, it was, it purely felt like he did it because he's rich and eccentric. Yes. And that, I mean, and that is a very big thing for, for that. He is a rich, eccentric, um, and he likes to play games. I mean, at least he didn't go full squid game, but... <laughs> Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah, rich eccentric people. Yep, stupid. <laughs> fair, totally fair. I I definitely can see all of your 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 quibbles about it, but I'm I'm glad you read it, and it's just one of my favorite quirky, goofy things. I did enjoy the character arcs of like these people who are all strangers and kind of resented each other all for different reasons kind of grew a little bit closer together and that very much like enforces that like the more you talk to somebody the more you can connect and the more you sympathize and have more compassion because you look at them as real people yeah um so th- she did a good job of that and like there was very stark contrast between the beginning of the story and the end of the story and how everybody viewed each other and interacted so that was really good that was done very well yeah I really enjoyed that as well now we have to go to like a much deeper weirder um more existential place yeah we really do because uh kurt vonnegut jr doesn't really not do existential (laughs) um so i was not the kindest to carly as far as picking a a book to chat about (laughs) 
and it's like you pretty much know right away if it's for you or if it's not. <laughs> so what did you think? So I knew pretty much immediately it wasn't going to be for me. Mm-hmm. I definitely can see and appreciate what he's going for, what he's trying to do. I mean, obviously it is a satire um, about people, the the truth and lies in religion and science and in the hands of people who are dumber than they realize, um, who they think that they're wildly intellectual or they are wildly intellectual, but people just make stupid choices. And then, you know, it's about the irony of science being meant to help people, but then ultimately destroying us and... I, so I totally get what he's going for, um, and I love a good satire, but I think th- his delivery, the style of his particular brand of satire, just doesn't land for me. Mm-hmm. Just, just missed the mark for me. I found it a little more, a little too. Um, I got it in the first chapter, and then he kept going i was like why do we need a whole book like he kept he kept his style throughout and you're like no no i don't mean that i mean i mean yes obviously he kept his style throughout because he is a good writer for what he's doing uh it's just i got the point of the satire in the first chapter and so i didn't need to read the full conclusion like i'm like well yeah clearly everybody's gonna die and the world is you know Life is futile. I get it. I don't need to read the entire book to be reminded of the futility of life over and over again. (laughs) And yeah, he does do like the theme is pretty clear. I think it's interesting because this one in particular, none of Kurt Vonnegut's books are like one thing. It's a satire on science. It's a commentary on religion, but then it's also a commentary on like if religion brings people comfort, yeah. shouldn't that be okay? Yes. If somebody is comforted by the, a belief system, should we really like fault them for that? Right. Why not let them have it? I'm glad you brought that up because that is something I did notice as well. And you, like you said, it, it's not just one thing. I mean, yes, he had a larger overarching theme, but he had subtleties throughout it that were trying to get people to question their perception. Even though he is satirizing uh, religion, mm-hmm. he is also making very distinctive points that, you know, if life is futile, why shouldn't we find things that comfort us along the way? And it, human connection and all of those things. So if I had a thought further about it, I'm like, I maybe don't want to discuss Kurt Vonnegut because it's like, <laughs> there's way too much to discuss when it comes to yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. Because while I enjoy the books that I have read from him, that's not me saying like, I agree with everything or that right. I disagree with everything. It's just a very, um, I enjoy it because it's so thought provoking. Yeah. It really makes you think about a lot of different um, aspects or perspectives. Right. It's a whole thing. Yeah, and I definitely can see why people enjoy reading him for that purpose. I just, how do I want to say this without coming across like a pompous ass? People who read Kurt Vonnegut are pompous, so I don't I know, think I was that gonna you say, could. Obviously, I, this is my first Vonnegut, so I'm like, 
kind of just trying to get a better picture of like who he was as a writer, et cetera, et cetera. So in the Googling of Vonnegut, um, I definitely noticed a running theme of like, well, if you don't like Vonnegut, you don't get Vonnegut. And I'm like, listen, I get Vonnegut. I just don't care for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's a real thing. That can it's happen. A, that is a real thing. It can happen. And we can have a discussion about a book that we don't like without being pompous and rude about it or allowing people to have a difference of opinion. I was talking to uh, the mechanic about it a little bit and he's like, well, it's a lot like stand up comedy. Not every comic is for everybody yeah there's people who find that person super funny and plenty of people who don't and I think it's kind of falls along those same lines when you find an author that you really like they're going to really connect with some people and they're really not with others and there's nothing wrong with that yeah especially because his stuff is so stylistic um, it could be like a multitude of factors. It could be yeah. when you read it, all of our opinions are informed by our own life experiences. And Absolutely. Stuff. I will say I'm a little surprised because it's so philosophical that I thought that you would be more interested because you're always mentioning how much you like philosophy. But that makes sense like you were saying where it's like you got it at the beginning, but it was maybe something you didn't want to focus on, on the theme of the this particular novel. Yes. Even though most of his novels are similarly themed of, you know, how horrible humanity is. <laughs> yeah. But that's very much informed by the, his, his experiences. His personal experiences. Absolutely. Like you said, I do really like philosophy. And I think because I like philosophy, I think about all of these kinds of things a lot. So... I don't necessarily want to read a whole book about it, especially when it's repeating itself. Um, it's similar back to what I thought of Dune. I I get it. I see why so many people like it. I respect their choice in it. But if I'm going to read philosophy, I want to read a philosophy book where I'm hearing about different kinds of theories and ideas. I was going to ask what philosophy books like that you recommend and like turn to I haven't in years so I mean it's like I can't I can't really like <laughs> here's my suggestion I enjoyed it when I was studying it in college a lot and I am not opposed to having philosophical discussions about life and learning more about different philosophers and what they've got going on and I do think that in his right Vonnegut is a philosopher he's just the the delivery system of a lot of um, authors from that era is not for me. Mm. I just don't care for their approach because it feels heavy handed and I feel like I'm being talked down to that. I mean, that I think is just a personal uh, reaction from my own experience. I don't think that they're purposefully trying to do that or if they are, I don't know. There's plenty of people who don't think that. Yeah, I think it's that like we all have our own reactions to different things. Yes. Because when I read Vonnegut, I feel much more like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of feeling. Mm. Like we're both in on the joke. Yeah. I think it's interesting to have these kinds of conversations because of that very reason. Different people have different reactions to it. And you saying that, I totally get why you feel that way because I think that that is what he's trying to provoke in people or, mm. or evoke in people. But it just didn't work for me. Yeah, it just didn't land. It didn't have that same effect. This whole conversation is a good way to look at, um, one, having discussions about something that somebody else likes 
that you don't and having a respectful discussion about it. And also as writers, being willing to continue on with our work, knowing full well that there are going to be people who don't like it and being okay with that and writing it anyways, because you are going, there are going to be people who do like it. Yeah. And I think that that, that's like a maturity thing that comes over time where you're like, not everybody's going to like the same things. And even people who you're really close to aren't going to like the same things as you. Yeah. Friends can like different things and still be friends. Yeah. I have read quite a few Vonnegut, but I'm like, that's the first thing I say to people. He's not for everybody. I immediately know that. Of the people I know, I would imagine that maybe 1% of those people might like Vonnegut. It's a very acquired taste. It's very niche. I was not kind to Carly when I was like, here's this book and you have to read. You're required to finish required it. Required reading. I feel like I'm back in school. Am I? Do I have to give a book report too? Yes. It's got to be essay form. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like my notes were on it were uh, a book report. Which uh, is so funny because I, like, I, I took no notes on the book you gave <laughs> Well, you said you kept some to try no, to- No, I was like, trying to solve the mystery, but that was I know. it. <laughs> okay, that was it. That's fine. Well, you remember your thoughts a little bit better. Your your brain is a little bit more organized in its filing system. Mine is very much representative of what my office looks like on a regular basis, which is random stacks and piles everywhere with like assorted fruit snack wrappers mixed in. That is funny um, because my desk is almost always completely clear. (laughs) There's a metaphor in here somewhere. It's just part of well, it. Well, you have a you have very organized system and none of it needs to be on your desk so that you have a visually clear space so that you can I'm, I I'm one of those people where I'm like if things are cluttered, I get anxious. Like it just gives me more anxiety. I mean, I do too, but I don't learn. So we all make choices. There's a metaphor in there too. <laughs> Well, I really appreciate that you read that whole book and you kept notes and you are willing to discuss. But yeah, definitely a very uh, stylistic. What did I say? It was it was published in like 1963. It's definitely uh, one of those. I mean, as much as Kurt Vonnegut is so different, not only in his writing, but also in his views of the world than so many of the other white guys from his time that wrote <laughs> science fiction books. He's yeah. very different, but it's also... He is he is also still a product of his time. Yeah. And we could go into like what was going on in history because uh, you know me, I totally like was like, oh, well, yeah, because when he was writing this and... Yeah. And every single one of his stories are very informed by the fact that he was present for the bombing of Dresden. I mean, I don't think I've read a single book that doesn't reflect that in his work. Absolutely. And that is another, like as writers, we use our writing to process our emotions and traumas and all of these things. And so those things creep in, even if we're not trying to, I just think he was trying to. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and thank you for reading my book too. I definitely gave it to you knowing full well that it probably wasn't going to land for you the same that it did for me, but I still wanted you to read it because I thought it was um, quirky and a good time. Yeah. But I definitely was thinking about it and I was going back in my mind, like trying and looking at my shelf and I'm like, what would I have her read 
else because every shorter book that I've read that I love, you've read too. <laughs> I don't read shorter books. as I mean, I actually do way more now than I ever used to. I used to like exclusively read Door Stoppers. But all of the short books that I've read, either you recommended to me or I recommended to you. So I'm like, that was it. That was my last short book <laughs> that I had. I feel exactly the same because if you hadn't already read it, I would have given you Red Dwarf. Oh, oh, yeah. Because that is much more like, oh, I want to do this. Right. Much more of what you're trying to do with your writing closer. Um, But you've already read all the Red Dwarf, so I had to pick something else. So the question would become, say it doesn't have to be super short, and say I'm not going to choose something that's painful for you. Um, one, would you would you consider doing this again? Yes. No, I was going to say, nobody yes, can I see would. you nodding. I know. <laughs> I know. I realized it as I was doing it. Yes, I definitely would consider doing this again. I would have to have more notice to be thinking about trying to find a book for you that wouldn't be some massive undertaking. Yeah. Because otherwise I'm going to be like, here, Joe Abercrombie and his like 16 books. It's fine. <laughs> this is not a time commitment. Yeah. Carly would be like, well, you can either read... The blade itself or the wheel of time. It's up to you. Like, thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for nothing. Just I just want you to read recursion. I mean, come on. Oh yeah. Next, next time, time. Next time. We say as if there will be a next time. We'll see about that. Since uh you did have time to think about this, do you have a two cent recommendation for us this week? I do. I am actually going to recommend the first book in a series that I have yet to finish, but I love the first one. It's the Broken Earth series, but the first book is The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemsen. It is fantastic. And it is also uh, definitely a commentary on society, but it's fantasy. I yeah. just received that on my Libby app the Yay. other day. As long as I can finish the other three books I'm reading <laughs> and get to it before that lapses, I'll be that able to, to to get on that train with you. Awesome. Thanks, Carly. Oh, yeah. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcast, whatever podcast thing you use pocket cast there's like a bunch that i don't even know about because i'm an old lady a transcript can be found at our website at sci-fi oh my slash podcast and you can find us on social media at the act break underscore podcast on instagram and the act break underscore on twitter links to all that can also be found in our instagram bio thanks for listening everybody talk to you later internet friends did i forget something i don't think so <laughs> okay